What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, January 30th. Congressman Mike Waltz joins me on the podcast today. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre dishonors our U.S. service members. And an IRS contractor is headed to prison after releasing Donald Trump's tax returns. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family. All right, welcome everybody to the Alec Lee Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for tuning in and stopping by. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, you know what to do. Please get down there and hit the share button. Let's get as many people into the live broadcast as possible. Uh, Don't forget to follow the channel here on Rumble. Hit me with a like, a comment, anything you could do to help boost the algorithm here. And thank you so much for all your support. You guys have been uh, nothing but the best to me and to the channel here. And you know what? This is the last broadcast of the month of January. I've had some really great, great guests on the show here this month, uh, including uh, Eric Trump, who stopped by, uh, Navy SEAL Team 6 operator, Rob O'Neill, Cash Patel has been here, Sean Parnell stopped by again, so um, Congresswoman uh, Kat Kamak, Congresswoman uh, Harshbarger. So go through the archives here, just this month, it's been really uh, just a great bunch of guests that have joined me, and today is no different. I have the honor of being joined today by Congressman Mike Waltz, who's also an American hero, Uh, so that's going to be awesome, there's a lot to talk about there with him. Uh, And also, just a program note, I I will be making a guest announcement at the end of today's broadcast for Thursday, Uh, so make sure you stick it around to the end to find out who will be joining me here uh, come Thursday live on Rumble. Also, just next week, I'm not sure how this is going to work, so follow me on X. Uh, I, every year, I get invited from, by the NFL to attend Super Bowl Media Day for First Class Fatherhood, my other podcast, my fatherhood podcast. So I usually interview the players about fatherhood, about their faith uh, before the Super Bowl. So I will be doing that next week. I'm not sure how I'm going to be doing the live broadcast here for the Alec Lace Show, but follow me on X at Alec Lace for any upcoming announcements on it. I'll see if I can work something in. If I can, I'll make it happen. I will be going with Dean Kane. Uh, I, last year, I went with uh, my friend Matt Roloff from Little People Big World. This year, I'm, I'm going to take Dean Kane with me to the event. He got Dean Kane, the actor, Superman himself. Uh, he, he was on the podcast here. If you want to see my interview with him, he's been on. For, he's been monumental to my success uh, on First Class Fatherhood. Really, without him, um, I, I wouldn't be here right now. So I owe a lot to Dean. So it's awesome that he'll get a chance to come, and we'll we'll have a great time together. So follow follow First Class Fatherhood. The link is down there below for my website. There, if you want to check out more about that. But I just wanted to make that program note before we move forward here. Uh, one thing I want to hit before I bring the congressman on. Is we had three U.S. service members, three soldiers that were killed in Jordan by an Iranian-backed attack. And our press secretary, this was so disgraceful, and they they never seem to be able to sink low enough, uh, this Biden administration. And she seems to babble a lot more, maybe just from hanging around Biden too much. She seems like she can't get a clear sentence out ever, but she also dishonored the memory. Now, the three U.S. soldiers who were killed, their names were released yesterday. They were William Rivers, and I'll put the pictures on the board here, William Rivers, uh, Kennedy Sanders, and Breonna Moffitt, or Moffitt. Uh, 46 years old was William Rivers, 24 years old was Kennedy Sanders, 
and 23 years old was uh, uh, Moffat. So here comes Corinne Jean-Pierre. Uh, here's how she handled this yesterday when she was discussing it. Say our deepest, uh, obviously our deepest condolences uh, go out and our heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three, three brave uh, three brave, uh, three brave of uh, three folks who are, who are military folks who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration of the American people. Yeah, these were just some military folk, right? Just some military folk that were, you know, defending the Biden administration. That's who these were. No, uh, these were American heroes. These were U.S. soldiers uh, that were murdered by an Iranian-backed attack. And it seems like, you know, we just saw Joe Biden parrot that phrase that's been proven, disproven and debunked up and down that President Trump called military members uh, suckers and losers. They still love to say that, even though it's been totally debunked, but they keep and and the media doesn't cut away from him. Oh, we have to cut away from him because he's lying like they do to Donald Trump when he's given a a speech, like when he won the the campaign up there, the the caucus in Iowa. They had to cut away. Oh, we're going to cut away from him now because he's talking about the election. Oh, we can't do that. But here's Joe Biden talking about a completely false narrative, and they stick with the story. They don't cut him off. But here's Corinne Jean-Pierre. Oh, these are just some military folk. Just like Ilion Omar, right, in Minnesota on 9-11. Oh, some people did some things. Shame on this entire administration, man. We're so sick and tired of seeing it. And, and you know, just I wanted to stay with this real quick, too, because two points on this with this attack that happened that killed our U.S. service members. There, in, in Iran, Obama, if you remember, I put this up on X yesterday and it started to gain some traction because I, I put the clip of this. So I'm going to share it with you. Barack Obama gifted Iran one of our most sophisticated drones. I don't know if you remember this story or not, but I'm going to play a piece of it right here for you guys and then see how this ties into what happened here over the weekend. Take a listen. President Obama confirmed what we first reported here last Thursday. The aircraft captured by the Iranians earlier this month is, in fact, one of America's most sophisticated spy planes. The president was asked about it today. Uh, We have asked for it back. We'll see how the Iranians respond. In Iran, experts have been poring over the drone. Iranian TV claimed today that they've recovered data from the RQ-170 aircraft. And a top Iranian military official says they can now reproduce it, though U.S. experts doubt that. Boy, Barack Obama really loved those Iranian mullahs, huh? Here we go. Here's a nice little gift, a package, one of our most sophisticated pieces of military equipment. Here you go. Take a look at this, but don't clone it. We're going to warn you. Please give it back to us. Obama begged them. Oh, please give it back. Well, it looks like they gave it back to us over the weekend, right? And so they say, listening to the clip there, like, oh, the U.S. military officials think that's unlikely that they'll be able to duplicate it or, or reproduce it. Yeah, okay. Like these people are the dumbest people on the planet. They're not going to take it. You don't think they got China involved. You don't think that they sold any of this stuff to anybody. You're out of your mind. If you think that they just got this and said, oh, this isn't ours. We're going to give this back. You think that's what the terrorist regime of Iran did? So that was Barack Obama. Now, we know Barack Obama, before he left the White House, flew in pallets of cash to give Iran. And here comes Joe Biden now, right? He unfreezes $6 billion of money for Iran. And all of a sudden, we're getting attacked by Iranian-backed militia all over the place. So I'm going to talk right now to the congressman. Now, this is a guy that, that knows a little bit too much about war than I think he would like to. Congressman Mike Waltz is a former Green Beret 
I don't know, former, I guess you're always a Green Beret, but he was a, a, an active duty combat veteran, Green Beret, served our country very bravely, uh, many, many military accolades. He's got four bronze stars, uh, two of them for valor. Uh, so he knows what it's about, what, what the war is all about, what these people are capable of that we're going up against. And I'm sure nobody uh, wants to see us not involved in a war more than Congressman Waltz does. So I, I've done done a couple of great interviews. So I did one interview with him, I should say, on First Class Fatherhood. Great family man, great father, an asset to have down there. You know, he's uh, he so endorses Donald Trump. So let's bring him on here. Let's do this. Let's bring on Congressman Waltz. All right, joining me now, Congressman Mike Waltz. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Yeah, good to be with you again. Thanks, man. Yeah, listen, it's an honor to get a chance to talk to you again, this time, uh, you know, about what's really going on in this country here. Our last time I interviewed you was about fatherhood, our first class fatherhood. And and I've shifted into talking about more of this stuff because parents right now are just getting crushed here. And I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. But I wanted to right off the top, get your take on this. Obviously, we had three service members that were killed in this Iranian backed attack here in Jordan. It just seems like things are becoming more and more uh, devastating to especially our military community here. So what what's your take here on what's happening from these attacks from Iran? Well, unfortunately, it was only a matter of time, as I've been saying now for months. Uh, and and this is a result of of uh, Biden's appeasement strategy. And, you know, every statement, if you listen closely, uh, f- whether it's from the Pentagon, the State Department, Biden himself, the White House, they say, look, we don't want this war in Gaza to spread. We don't want it to escalate, but which sounds reasonable. Neither do anyone else uh, that I know of, but that's actually ironically inviting it to escalate because how Iran interprets that is, okay, we've got some runway here. Uh, We can get away with uh, more and more and more. And they say opportunity now because they smell weakness in this White House. That's why we've had over 100 attacks uh, on our service members in Iraq and Syria. It's why you have this ragtag bunch, uh, the Houthis, now armed and trained and supplied by Iran, literally attacking global shipping. 20% of trade uh, passes through the Red Sea. uh, And they're holding uh, Hezbollah in reserve to go after our greatest ally, uh, Israel, from the north. So, And and, and I want to remind folks The reason that we have our service members in uh, Iraq and Syria, they're in very small numbers. They're special operators, intelligence operatives, uh, is because they're still keeping ISIS at bay. They're keeping a foot on their neck uh, so that they don't once again attack the homeland like they did under Obama. Uh, and, And so, look, at the end of the day, what do you do with the schoolyard bully? He keeps taking your lunch money, taking your lunch money. You punch them in the mouth, you restore peace, you show strength. Uh, that's not warmongering into Iran. That's not calling for the Marines to storm the beaches and go after Tehran. There are ways, whether it's cyber or precision strikes or going after Iranian operatives in Iraq or Syria or otherwise, where we could send a message, a clear message to Tehran, enough is enough. You keep pressing, you keep killing our service members, and we're going to make you pay, not your militias, not your proxies, you yourself, Iran. And that's the only thing the ISOs will listen to. 
And that's what we want to see, too, is because Congressman, because we see all this call for for more war. And, and, and that's not what people want. Nobody wants to see that. I would imagine more than you, who's lost brothers and sisters over there no. in this fight. So we don't yeah, want to no. see that. But you see this escalation that's happening. And it just looks like and obviously I just had a Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill on last week. The Navy SEAL community was devastated, uh, losing right. two of their guys, taking down one right. of these ships, supplying to the Houthis. And it just seems like these Houthis now. What what is the proper response to this, this sect, to this Houthis now? I know we always hear Hezbollah, but now it seems like these Houthis are the thing. What is what is the big difference here as far as the Houthis and Hezbollah, and how do we respond? Well, I mean, they're they're all Iranian proxies, right? These are Shia, right? You got your Sunni and your Shia. Right. These are Shia militias. Uh, one's up in Lebanon. That's Hezbollah. Uh, they have longstanding fight with Israel, uh, of, of course, but they are armed, trained, supplied, resourced by uh, by Iran. Uh, and the Houthis are down in Yemen. And they, if you look at the map, they're sitting right at that choke point as trade enters the Red Sea, shipping enters the Red Sea to go through the Suez Canal. Uh, and they're starting to put that in threat at Iran's backing. Look, the response is, yeah, of course, defend yourself, shoot down the drones, shoot down the missiles, actually shoot the shooters that are shooting from shore. But the more strategic response that this administration is not doing is dry up the cash in Tehran. It's actually not a military solution. It's an economic solution. Put it just case in point, data point. By the end of the Trump administration, under maximum pressure on Iran's uh, economy, they had $4 billion left in foreign currency reserves, which is basically Iran was broke. Now they have over $70 billion since Biden took his foot off the gas and actually enforcing the sanctions. What are Republicans trying to do in the House? We passed a bill that would put sanctions on the Chinese buyers of Iranian oil. you got to shut off the oil and shut off the cash that Tehran is using to fund all these groups. And until you do that, Hezbollah is going to be you know, stocked full of weapons. The Houthis are going to be stocked full of missiles. You can't send Navy SEALs running around to try to board and intercept and search the thousands of these ships flowing around the Mediterranean—it's just a fool's errand. You got to go to the source of the problem, and you got to shut down the cash for the Iranian regime. And 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 I don't know why too. It almost seems like you know Joe Biden hates us because he takes the Houthis off of the terror list. Now apparently he puts them back on, but it's not the full terror list. It's some kind of half-ass attempt at putting them back. It's it's like a mediocre. It's they're not fully. Yep. From what I understand, maybe it's different. But so he takes the Houthis off of the terror watch list. He gives unfreezes six billion dollars to Iran. It's almost like what side are you on? And then when you start talking about this, oh no, they'll never use the six billion for anything uh, evil. They're going to use it for humanitarian. And everyone's like, what? What are you crazy? I ran ain't using that for no humanitarian purposes. Let me ask and you. So hey, let me ask you something. If somebody put a million dollars in an account over there that you couldn't access, but they said, "Hey, we're going to buy all your groceries, pay your rent, pay your medical insurance, right? You know, we're going to do all this soft stuff with this account." What then do you do with all that money that you were spending on all of those things? It's freed up to do other stuff, like in Iran's case support terrorism so yeah i mean it's the it's the six billion for a hostage deal and iran's just going to take more hostages by the way because now they can get a billion dollars ahead for them we just set a new price thanks joe biden uh it's the fact that they've gone from barely being able to export any oil to now over 30 billion a year uh it's the fact that 
they, the Iranians know this administration doesn't get along with the Israelis, are going to put more pressure on the Israelis than they do uh, on Hamas. Uh, and they think they can get away with it without any uh, repercussions. And oh, by the way, what else are they doing right now? They put their race towards having an operational nuclear ICBM on overdrive. And you know what's going to happen once they get that? Not only might they use it against Israel, which they've repeatedly threatened to do, the rest of the Middle East is going to want nukes too. Saudi are going to get nukes. UAE is going to get nukes. Turkey is going to get nukes. And anybody who thinks a nuclear arms race uh, in the Middle East is okay uh, is nuts. Uh, you know, right? So we can't just stick our head in the sand and say not our problem. You know, all, you know, let somebody else take care of it because nobody else is going to take care of it. The U.S. has to lead, and there are ways to restore peace under Trump. Look, we we punched Iran in the mouth. We took out their general. Peace was restored. And oh, by the way, we were working with the Arabs and Israelis for three separate peace deals. So there there are ways to get back there without tons of U.S. troops. But we but we have to stay engaged. It, it just seems like, Congressman, the entire Middle East is being held together by a piece of dental floss like right now. And it's just a little gust of wind is going to blow this entire thing apart. And it just seems like January, a year from now, it, it doesn't it seems like it's too long. It seems like we have such a long wait till we get Trump back into the White House in order to straighten all this out. And like he says, yeah. uh, peace through strength. It just seems. And, th- and then pivoting here now, if I could, because obviously uh, domestically, we're in the same boat here with what's going on down at the border. Now, I know that. Um, right. Uh, Senator Lankford, they have this uh, border bill, but now what the Republicans are saying is, hey, this thing is packed. It's going to give amnesty to two million illegals. He says, oh, no, that's a lie. But for what it looks like, now, obviously, I didn't read the bill, so I don't know, but he's saying that it has none of this. But from what I see, it's got money for Ukraine, it's got amnesty for illegals, and it's not just a straight up shut the border deal and deport these illegal immigrants. What's your take on this thing? Yeah, this was, I think this was always the disconnect, right? We aren't talking immigration reform. We're not talking, you know, how do we go to a merit-based system versus a lottery system for legal immigration? All those things that I think fully need to be uh, reformed. This is shut the border down, right. build a wall, go back to remain in Mexico, uh, use what leverage we have, as Trump did with Mexico, to put their troops on their southern border and stop them down there rather than just waving them through and making them our problem. Uh, right. This is secure the border, period. Before we start talking about anybody else's border, Ukraine, Israel, anyone. Um, and oh, by the way, you know, contrary to what the media likes to portray, it was Biden who put the border together with all these other issues. He just put money in there to process people faster. And we're like, no, that's going to actually make the problem worse. So I, I don't know, man. I haven't seen the text. All I know is what I voted for was HR2 out of the House, which is a secure the border bill, bill which was to actually put into law what President Trump did through executive order. Uh, and it worked. I mean, this this isn't stuff. This isn't theoretical that, you know, people are guessing what may or may not work. Just a few years ago, it worked. Now we've seen a total disaster. And by the way, the FBI director is making the rounds on the Hill, making it very clear so no one's surprised that they have over 300 people on the terrorist watch list that we don't know where we are, that where they are, the FBI is trying to track down right now as we speak. So it's not just a humanitarian crisis. uh, it's, It's a national security crisis, too. 
And, and, that, and that's what it seems like. It, it seems like, uh, you know, Joe Biden wants to put everything into the one package. This way, when you when it gets voted down, they say, oh, look, Republicans are against closing the border. They don't really want to close the border. It's just political. That's right. But it, it's never just what one damn thing in the bill that says, OK, we're going to just address this one piece. It has to be Ukraine, Israel, all this other stuff, too. So it, well, he's also going to so you know what? He's also going to do it. And you're already seeing this narrative come out. That, uh, if, you know, if, if Russia launches an offensive, say, in the spring and the Ukrainians aren't doing well, well, that was Republicans' fault you know, as well. Totally ignoring any ownership uh, that Biden slow walked all of these arms. He, the war never start, should have started in the first place. He green lighted it with the Nord Stream 2 sanctions uh, and lifting those sanctions with saying, oh, a minor incursion. We may not do anything. Uh, you know, with the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the lack of response to the colonial pipeline when the Russians hacked half of our gas uh, um, uh, infrastructure here. So they just he wants to completely ignore how he's fumbled the ball on this uh, on this war and then try to point to a vote with Republicans this year uh, for for political reasons. And I would imagine, too, the reason, uh, Congressman, why they wouldn't want to just like you said, put I mean, all you really have to do is just put Trump's uh, border policies back on the books and start enforcing them. And then we would have a much better, you know, at least squeeze the large hole that's there in the border. But I think by doing that and seeing success gives Trump the credit for it. And I don't think they ever want to do that. So it's like they have to find their own different way around it. And nothing is getting done. Now, obviously, um, Mayorkas is coming up for the impeachment here. What are the chances this thing actually uh, gets on the floor, gets through? And, and, and we get him actually impeached. What's the chances in your t- in your opinion? Uh, I think I think they're good, and I think we need to thank Governor Abbott for a lot of that because he made every district uh, in our conference feel it uh, by you know making this no longer a, a Texas and Arizona problem and making it a national problem. I mean, I just flew through Chicago O'Hare, and there's migrants lined up all the way down, <laughs> you know, all the way uh, 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 down the aisle there. With schools getting shut down, the African-American community in Chicago is up in arms. Uh, People are up in arms in New York uh, because, you know, they're feeling what Texas has been feeling. Uh, Actually, it's a fraction of what Texas has been feeling, but that uh, we cannot literally afford, um, especially when you have veterans that aren't getting what they need, uh, school kids that aren't getting what they need, hospitals that are overwhelmed. Uh, we, we just cannot afford to be an open door for the entire world. Uh, and so I think we're in good shape because now our New York members who uh, are in swing districts, some of them went for Biden in, in, in 2020 are saying, heck, yeah, this guy has lied to Congress. He's subverted Congress. He's lied to the American people and he has willfully and purposefully not enforced the law. Uh, and in that sense, he is he is he is completely negligent and he's got to go. And, and I think, too, Congressman, when you're watching it on TV, it's different because it's distant. When you're seeing it on the Internet, it's different because it's distant. It's not it's away from you. So the issues, they don't seem to matter as much as now you say they're in the airport. They're in the school. They're, they're, they're like in New York. You Brooklyn, get a notice. The kids. That, yeah. When you get a notice that your kid can't go to school, it's got to stay at home because it's full of migrants. And they, then, gee, guess what? I can't go to work. Because I can't leave my kids at home, <laughs> right, all day long, then people start to feel it in a very, uh, very real way. And I think it's that is that's been the game changer. 
Right. And it seems like all that momentum is all going in Trump's favor, because right now you don't have to be a MAGA supporter to vote for Trump. You just got to be a grocery shopper. Right. You just got to live in a neighborhood that's got over flooded with migrants. So you don't need to be MAGA to want to vote for Trump right now. You just no, you just have to really just live in America to want to vote for Trump right now. Look, I think I think this is going to be the common sense election. Right. I mean, just, hey, I want my daughter to compete with other girls, you know, on the swim team. You know, I, I don't want a six foot five dude changing next to my 13 year old girl. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I can buy ten, on average ten thousand dollars less with the same amount of money as I could just a couple of years ago. Gee, I felt a lot safer uh, walking down to the metro than I did just a few years ago. So I, I think messaging for President Trump this time is going to be even easier because, again, it's not theoretical what worked and what doesn't work. The whole country has felt it in their wallet that with the safety of their family and just looking at the entire world that's on fire right now. This is what the world looks like. The country looks like with progressives in charge. And they're doing everything possible to stop them. And, and that, that's obvious. We've just seen the lawsuit now with, the, with this bogus uh, girl with her claims. And now he's got to pay 80 something million dollars to something that was already uh, proven that he didn't do. Uh, so somehow she's getting $86 million, whatever the number is going to be. And that'll obviously be appealed. But it's it's one trial after another that they're persecuting this guy through. And it, and I think because they're, they're only doing it because they know they can't stop him at the ballot box right now. Because I think it's overwhelming. I think yeah. every time a cash register rings, another Trump ballot is cast. That's basically uh, what's happening here. So I, I think they know that they're up against it. Their candidate sucks. And there's nothing they can do about it unless they get him out of there. The rumors are they're going to move. I don't know if that's true or not. But the guy they have right now, I, I virtually can't see any possibility this guy could win again with the shape the country is in my only issue is that can we wait that long if to get trump back in there because the well, overseas is destroyed our country's getting destroyed it just seems like it can't happen fast enough look i i think it's only going to get worse in terms of what they throw at the president unfortunately because a long time ago they settled in their mind that the the left settled with the ends justify the means uh to go after trump whether that is uh, 51 national security professionals who know better, who, you know, sign up and lie uh, on, on national television, you know, uh, to the world that it was Russian misinformation with the Hunter Biden laptop, even though the FBI had it uh, already and they knew better, whether it was Kavanaugh and uh, in, in absolutely smearing somebody, um, you know, literally making up lies to just crush and ruin someone's reputation or, or whether it's, you know, uh, district attorneys uh, basically subverting the law, uh, bending the law, breaking the law in the case of Fannie Willis, apparently, uh, to, to take Trump out. But the American people see through it. It's so obvious and blatant. And so I think it's only it has only strengthened him. Uh, and at the end of the day, he's right. You know, if it's if they could do this to someone like me, they can do it to you. Uh, if you don't agree with their ideology and their and their orthodoxy. And I think that is going to resonate all the way to a victory in November. And, and I think the parents are the underdog in this election here, too, that their voice is going to be made loud and clear. You brought up the fact, you know, fathers don't want their daughter competing against men. They don't want men in the locker room with their daughter. You don't have to be a MAGA supporter to not want a uh, a man in the bathroom with your with your baby girl. So I, I think that's a common sense thing as well here. And it's parents that have been really coming under attack in this country. It's a passionate thing of mine just because I feel like so many parents are waking up to the fact that what's going on in the school system. They're being attacked and called domestic terrorists when they show up at the school. 
school board meeting when they just want to get a pornography book out of the school library. They're being called some kind of like Hitler book burner fascist. There's something like that. Nazi. So it's like right now, I think the parents are pissed in this country. And I think they're the ones that are going to be to really turn the tide in this election in November. But this is where you have to un- fully appreciate uh, how progressives, which is in in many ways is neo-Marxism, is neo-communism or communism repackaged, think. You know, who are you, some knuckle-dragon, logger, or truck driver, or uh, waitress, or whomever? What do you really know about education? You know, I've got, I've got a whole administration full of Ivy League-trained, DEI-touting uh, bureaucrats who study this, and we really know what kids need and want. We know what they should be taught. And oh, by the way, if they're feeling a little confused about their sexuality, uh, you can't be trusted. You might be mean to them about it. So they can come to us and we'll take care of them without telling you. Uh, And so you've got, I mean, I see this front lines right here ideologically in the the house. Um, And uh, it is... (laughs) This is, you're right, this is individual liberties, your rights as a parent, uh, uh, your rights as a family and as a community to take care of your kids. Uh, So this is what's at stake right now. And um, uh, this is is the fight before us uh, because they truly in their hearts believe that they know better. And I'll tell you where, and and I give uh, Governor DeSantis credit for this, Let's get engaged and fight this fight on the school boards. School boards and judges, I think, are the most neglected places on the ballot, and they're the most consequential. Uh, And so this is the fight we got to fight. And the Democrats are aggressive in those areas, too, and they know that. And they take control of these school boards. You don't even know what happened. Before you know it, you see what's happening. It's way too late. So that's why you're right. And parents are getting more involved now. I know that they are. And, and, and listen, you have the secretary of education uh, uh, telling you we know what's better for your kids than than you do, the parents. So that's the type of scary rhetoric that we're hearing. And last thing I wanted to switch this before I get you out of here. I already got a few minutes left, but military recruitment, Congressman, is down. It's it's at a very low point here. The Navy is, is reportedly lowering their standards to help get yep. people to get through. This sounds to me very, very dangerous. You obviously a, a, a veteran. Uh, what is your take on what's happening to our military? The recruitment so low. Uh, what does it mean to yep. us and how do we booster it? Listen, I, I can't overstate this. We are in a crisis. These are the worst numbers since Vietnam. Uh, the The army alone uh, was down 45,000 in the last couple of years. And thankfully, these the you know Biden's people running the Pentagon we're on the verge of kicking out another 20,000, even though they were missing their numbers that badly over the vaccine mandate. Fortunately, we were able to stop that idiocy. Uh, yeah, it's it's across the board. It's everybody but the Marines. You know why? Because the Marines haven't deviated. They're talking about putting bullets on foreheads, being a badass for America, defending this great nation, uh, and not running ads like the Army did with a little girl uh, to feel welcome because she has two moms. I could tell you what, in all the units I've commanded men and women, nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know, when we're on that black helicopter at night about to take out Al-Qaeda, I'm not counting noses of how many Hispanics, how many African-Americans, how many mixed race, how many Jewish how, you know, I mean, we're all just Americans and we're all wearing green. 
Uh, we all bleed red. And I promise you this, the only thing the enemy's bullets care about, they're not asking before they take that shot of your uh, your gender identity or what pronoun you use. Um, <laughs> that's the mentality that we have to get back to. Uh, and, and look, we're making some progress there. The last defense bill is my measure. We ban critical race theory in our military academies uh, and in any type of training. We have got to knock back this progressive, woke ideology that Biden's political appointees are imposing on our military that's turning people away. And if you don't think it is, we have the data to back it up, uh, whether it is uh, Heritage, a great conservative think tank that showed that 65% of military members have witnessed pol over politically an over-politicization and that they would recommend their kids not join. And the vast majority of people who join our military now have an, uh, a father, father, mother, or uncle, uh, you know, a relative that was in that recommended. They're saying don't join now as long as we're going to have this nonsense. And then finally, and this is where it all comes together. We were talking about education and school boards. If we have a progressive ideology in our schools that are teaching kids that the United States is not a force for good around the world, it's a bad country. It's systemically racist. It's systemically colonialist. It's systemically a, a run by a white male hetero patriarchy that is uh, defined by the oppressor and the oppressed. Uh, who wants to go fight and die for a country like that uh, and, and be a part of a military that's going to oppress people of color around the world? Uh, and so what COVID exposed is how deep this rot has gone in our educational system. And it shouldn't be a surprise then that 18, 19 year olds coming up don't want to join a military that's going to defend a nation like what they've been taught. So. It, it all comes back to education, brother, but th th there are very serious ramifications when we can't defend the country, we can't lead around the world because we can't recruit. Yeah, you're right on the money, Congressman. It almost sounds fictional the way we're talking about this. I can't believe this is a reality that we're facing right now, but uh, I, I know we're up against it. Uh, uh, Congressman Mike Waltz, always an honor to have you. Love to have you again on down in the future. Uh, thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time today on The Alec Lay Show. Hey man, I, I'll come on. I, I've just gotta, I gotta earn my place on my on the wall behind you there as a as a hard hitting conservative. But thanks so much. I got you on the first class fatherhood wall, so now I got to put you on this one. Now that you made the show here. All right. See you soon. <laughs> Thank you, Congressman. Thanks, man. All right. Always an honor when I get to talk to an American hero like Congressman Mike Waltz. I appreciate him giving me a few minutes of his time here on the Alec Lay Show today. What do you think about the interview? Please hit me down there in the comment section below. Get, get the live chat going. It's just a disgrace what's happening right now, especially, like I said, I, I believe you don't need to be ultra MAGA extremist to want to vote for uh, Donald Trump in the election. You just have to be a grocery shopper. You just have to be a parent and see what's going on in the classroom here to want to vote for Donald Trump in 2024. And in this November, I keep saying 2024, it's months away now. All right, we're we're getting closer and closer, but it's you don't you don't have. I mean, I, I think outwardly people are going to say what they have to say because they you know they're their friends. They'll be disowned if they say, "Oh yeah, I'll vote for Trump." They'll never say it. But I think the silent majority this year is going to include a lot of Democrats who are just cannot afford to have another four years of what they're seeing with Joe Biden because now we've gotten a taste of it. 
And so I don't think I, I, I think they just put a thing out yesterday saying Trump is polling better than any other Republican candidate has in history. All right. The, he's off the charts, which means they're going to be just gunning for him, just like the congressman said. There's going to be a lot more arrows coming at Donald Trump here because this guy, he is the one. All right, so one uh, one more story I wanted to hit with you guys here. This IRS contractor was sentenced to five years uh, for the one. He's the guy that leaked Donald Trump's tax returns. Now they were always they've been harping on that. Oh, release your taxes, release your taxes. So we got this this IRS guy, Charles Littlejohn. He's the one that released it. Now in order to do so, in order to get Trump, I guess he had to release a treasure trove of these tax returns. So some of them included Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and other millionaires and billionaires. So their tax returns got released as well. But this guy was another Trump derangement syndrome guy. Uh, I'm sure he's taking the fall for other people that were involved in this. I doubt, highly doubt this guy is a lone wolf that did it on its own, that did it on his own. He's somebody that happened to have access and he's the one that's taking the fall for this. So it looks like Charles Littlejohn is going to the big house. But this is the extent that they're willing to go to to get Donald Trump. Now, what happened when he did it? It turns out, you remember the tax return story, right? Because that used to be a hot item, a hot ticket when Trump was president. We don't hear about it anymore. Why? It's because when they finally released his tax returns, it turns out they pay, he paid a hell of a lot more taxes than everybody else does. And the story had no mustard. It didn't hold any water. So you never heard about the tax return story anymore. That was one arrow, that one dagger that they had to take out of Trump's back. They couldn't keep going forward with that story. So this guy, in his hatred of Donald Trump, releases tax returns for, for like I said, Elon Musk and, and thousands of other people. Now, the interesting thing is, why in the world can we not get the answer to who leaked the Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court? We never got an answer to that, right? We never, why could we never figure that out? We figured this guy out. How do we figure out that this guy is the one that released the tax returns unless they wanted us to know that he did it? Unless somebody fingered this guy to take the fall for this IRS, uh, for this tax return unraveling or whatever you want to call it, releasing the tax returns. This guy took the fall for somebody. That's my opinion. What do you think? Now, why can't we get to figure out who's the one that, that, that's, that leaked out the Dobbs decision? Nobody knows that, but it's a big mystery. Same thing with the Epstein client list. We were promised here that we were going to get the Epstein client list. We got drips and drabs of testimony from people in trial, in court. We never got the little black book. We were duped into that, just like we were duped into thinking we were going to get the January 6 tapes. Where is the Epstein list? Now, this the people that constantly say, oh, uh, Trump was on the Epstein client list. If Trump, and this you could tie this right into this IRS thing that just happened here, because if Trump was on the Epstein client list, if he was in the little black book, if he took part in what was going on in, in, in Ellis Island, I was going to say, uh, if he took part in what was happening at, at Epstein's Island, then there is nobody on the planet that they wouldn't sink in order to release that black book. If he was in it, the, every page of it would be out there to, for everybody to read, no matter who had to go down with the ship. And the case in point here, this IRS contractor, because he was able to get Trump's, he, have, he, he released everybody's. He, he did the same thing. It was like, okay, I don't care if Elon's uh, tax gets out there. I don't care if Jeff Bezos gets out there. It, no matter what it takes, I have to get Donald Trump, so I'm going to put it all out there. So obviously he pissed off the wrong people, and now he's in the clink. So tough life there for J J Charles Littlejohn. But, I, I, you know, it's, it's the extent that these people are going to go to all extremes to make sure Trump is derailed from his campaign for presidency which is heating up hotter and hotter every day. He's gaining more and more traction.
And then the other thing, obviously, I was talking about the congressman there, talking about down at the border. I don't know what to believe anymore, guys. You, you know, it's very hard to know what we're getting is actually factual information from anybody anymore. Who do you believe? If you watch some of these citizen journalists that are down there at the border, some of them, where all the cameras are set up and where everything is down at this, uh, this one park that's down there in Eagle Pass, if you drive a mile down the road, there's no cameras, there's nobody, and the fence has a huge gate that's wide open. And there's some holes in the fence that, that don't even have a gate. And, and you got these citizen journalists are like, well, where is everybody? What's going on here? I, I don't know what to believe anymore. You see all this stuff, and, and it just seems odd that you have both the left and the right. For 40 years, 50 years, they're talking about this whole thing at the, at the border and illegal immigration. You could find video clips of Hillary Clinton talking about how we got to deport people, how we got to close the border. You could, you could find clips of Barack Obama talking about it. You could find clips of George Bush talking about it. And, and everyone's story changes. It's election year. So all of a sudden, we don't, I don't know what games are being played. All I know is it seems like the United States government is against the United States citizens. That's what it seems like. And it seems like the media is on the side of the government. And we don't know what's what. Why Joe Biden is saying, oh, I need this thing that I was talking about with the congressman. He needs this bill to pass before he can do anything, which is a lie. As far as we all know, he has the power of the executive pen to just close the border right now or put back Trump's policies and help you know, stop the bleeding. But he chooses not to do it. Why? They tie it to all this stuff. Oh, we need we need to fund Ukraine to close the border. No, if you say that you're a traitor, you should be you should be arrested for treason. What do you mean we have to secure Ukraine's border to, to close our border? No, it, don't, it can't work that way. And nobody can understand why. Why is this such an issue? And both parties are acting. It's like good cop, bad cop, but they're, they're playing the same game, and we're the ones getting screwed. And as I said to Congressman Waltz, it all sounds like fun and games until these people are flooding your school system, until they're flooding your airport, until they're flooding your hospital. Now it's not funny anymore. So very sickening stuff uh, going on there, as usual here. So uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I told you I would give you guys Thursday's guest on the podcast here. And I will be joined on Thursday by Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock joining me on the podcast live here on Rumble on Thursday. And he's obviously got a big feud going there with Stephen A. Smith. Maybe we'll get a comment on that. Maybe we won't. But uh, Jason Whitlock will be here with me on Thursday. Hope you'll come back and tune in for that. And again, as I said, I'm not sure how the program is going to work next week because I will be out in Las Vegas uh, interviewing the players for the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the 49ers before the game. So I talked to them about fatherhood, talked to them about their faith a lot. If you want to see previous ones that I've done, the link to First Class Fatherhood is down there below. Uh, talk to Patrick Mahomes. Listen, uh, whether you're a football fan or not, uh, I think it's important to highlight the guys that are doing it right. And somebody like Patrick Mahomes is somebody who is somebody that's bold in his faith. He, he, also Brock Purdy, by the way, the guy that's the quarterback for the 49ers, another guy that's very bold in his faith. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, he prays before every game. He gives glory to God every time he scores a touchdown. He, he's very faith-based, and I think it's great to see that. I think the young people in this country see so much crap that's going on uh, and, and idolize so many you know, idolizing the wrong people, but at least some of these people that are getting in there, I was, lo- I would have loved if that CJ Stroud could have made it to the NFL. I think that kid is a blessing uh, to so many youth in this country that he's another one. So we have some good people in there. And I know that the chiefs kicker, 
uh, is a very is very Catholic. I, I've had him. I, I've done a few interviews with him. So anyway, a long story short, I'll be out in Vegas interviewing the players for First Class Fatherhood next week. So I'm not sure how the Alec Lace show will work. If I could do a live show, I'm going to do it. Follow me on X at Alec Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements, guests, the whole bit. Again, Jason Whitlock will be here with me on Thursday. Thank you guys for tuning in to the broadcast today. I got to give a special thank you to Congressman Mike Waltz. You can check out my interview with him on First Class Fatherhood about his fatherhood journey. Link is down there below. Uh, God bless all of you patriots out there, all you listeners, you parents, you military veterans and first responders. God bless America. And I will be right back here with you guys live Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Free Speech Rumble. Have a good day. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. <laughs>